And now, a word from our sponsors. Before 1971, a young S. Sadie Burbank could only imagine a simple American life as a loving wife and mother. That was her goal when she first married in 1959 at the age of 18. But with the wild social revolution of the 1960s, Burbank's idea of a perfect life would quickly change as she left behind her family to begin a new existence of her own. Her journey would find her on a plane headed toward her new lover, Steve, who was halfway across the world, waiting her arrival in a small bush camp in the country of Liberia. Once there, Sadie is greeted with a fascinating, strange world and plunges herself into the exotic land of the bush. But less than six months later, Sadie would realize all was not as it seemed, and Steve was not the man she fell in love with. Burbank found herself desperately seeking escape from the camp and her lover as she raced back to Robertsfield Airport, literally running for her life. Based on an unbelievably true story by S. Sadie Burbank, Red Hills, Green Vines, and Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner is a manuscript of Burbank's adventurous and deadly experience during a time filled with sex, drugs, and murder. For more information, log into www.redhills.us. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. There'll be peace when you are done Lay your weary head to rest Don't you cry Hey everybody and welcome to Lupa's Bits episode 44 Doubling up on the numbers I am your host, Lupa Barty, and yeah, it's late at night. Um, I'm in a much better frame of mind than I was last week, so we'll see. I'm not making any promises, but we will get through this episode without crying. I do want to talk to you guys about a few things, though, that kind of have come up throughout the week since the last episode that I think I should shed some light on that I should um, bring to the forefront because you guys have listened to me um, do my thing and we've had our ups, we've had our downs. You guys have been there for all of the roller coaster. And I think being as you have watched, you know, my mental breakdowns and you have watched like the next week, I'm completely back up. We should talk about that. Like, if anything, if I've learned anything from COVID and being in lockdown and being in isolation and all of the everything that is COVID is that those with issues, those, I don't want to say mental illness because everybody, that's like, I don't know, that's the new buzzword now, is mental illness. Everybody's got mental illness. You know, issues. I'm a Gen Xer. We had issues. So those of us that had issues and that struggled with our issues and just kind of, you know, sucked it up and went about our day, the way our lives have changed have made it to where we can't just suck it up and go about our day because we're stuck facing ourselves every morning we have to look at ourselves in the mirror and go, you suck. And then try and pull ourselves out of that. Every night we crawl into bed and, you know, what did you get accomplished today? Nothing. You suck. And pull ourselves out of that. And I think what COVID has done is it has made it almost impossible for those of us that struggle to pull ourselves out of it and it has caused people who maybe have only had minor 
depression issues, you know, had a sad day here and a bum day there to develop more of a problem. Maybe even make some people who didn't even realize that they had mental issues go, holy crap, I'm a little bit crazy. It has made all of us, I don't care who you are, I don't care what you say, it has made every single one of us very self-centered, very self-aware, very self-absorbed because we have only had to be concerned with ourselves and with those within our immediate bubble. Those outside of our bubble don't matter. They're not in our bubble. They can worry about their own bubble. So it's made us very, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Unwillingly narcissistic, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> you know, we're, we're only focused on our needs and our wants, and it makes it very hard to see, literally, beyond your own front door. Because you can't go past your own front door. As things start opening up and as people start interacting with other people, we're having to remind ourselves that, you know, there are social norms. There are social cues and and things that are expected in a social situation, um, behaviors and, and rules for social engagement. There are rules. And we've forgotten those rules because our lives have been reduced to conversations on the internet, text messages and video calls. And we've forgotten all of those social cues that, and, and social rules that come into play in a public group setting. And what last week's podcast for me um, was, I'm not going to say the lowest point that I've ever been to, but it was pretty close. It was pretty close. And I had a lot of, of realizations and revelations. I want to say life-changing moments, but really, no. No, <laughs> no not really life-changing moments because my life didn't change. Um, I got a whole bunch of crap off my chest. I had a really good cry. And I'm not going to downplay the um, mental state that I was in because... I would be doing myself and those that connected with that emotion a disservice. Um, and I'm not going to say that, oh, everything is rainbows and puppy dogs this week. Because it's not. I'm still not great. I'm still not 100%. I'm never going to be 100%. And that, I think, is, is what I'm trying to say is... Everybody is talking about mental illness now because of COVID-19, because of isolation and because of being quarantined and being locked down and being separated from family and friends and socializing and just going to a restaurant full of people. And it really struck me the other day. I was watching, I was, a friend of mine is at a theme park and I was looking at her pictures on Facebook. And it struck me how empty it looked, which was totally out of character for this particular place. And it just struck me at how empty, how lonely it looked. Instead of the colors being bright and gay and cheery, they were garish and, and sad and over the top the happiest place on earth is kind of the saddest place on earth right now nobody's ever going to be okay this whole experience and that's basically what it's been is it's been an experience everything that happens in our life is an experience and we can take from it what we want we can leave what we don't want we can learn from it and we can grow from it or we can get stuck in it and I was starting to get stuck in it. That is the point that I had hit last week. And I didn't intend on going into that podcast with that level of broken emotion. It just kind of all came bubbling out of me 
<laughs> and I couldn't control it, and y'all got it. <laughs> and I do want to say I absolutely, from the bottom of my heart, appreciate every single one of you that reached out right away. Like, as soon as you listened, you reached out and said, hey, you know what? I'm here. If you need to vent, if you need to scream, if you need to cry, whatever you need to do, I'm here. I appreciate that. You have no idea. And I mean, I, I told you guys when you reached out that I appreciate that more than you will ever know. And when this is over, there's going to be a whole lot of hugging and not letting go. I put my life out there. I put my emotions out there. I put everything that I am out there. I am an open book. If you want to know something about me and, you know, I haven't spewed it on my podcast, <laughs> ask me and I'll tell you. 99% of the time, you can generally tell what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, and how I'm reacting to something by just looking at my face. Apparently, looking at me, looking me in the eye. You can tell what I'm thinking and, and what I'm feeling about a situation by just looking at me. I don't hide anything. And I did for a lot of years, and it doesn't get you anywhere. It doesn't serve you to push everything down and bottle everything up for a lot of us that live alone. And now I mean, I'm not going to try and compare myself to somebody who's lived alone for years because I've only technically lived alone since March. I mean, yes, I've been living alone since July, but I wasn't really alone. I was 200 feet from the house. So like, you know, there were people and I saw people almost every night or every other night. Now I can go two or three days before I actually see another living, breathing human being standing in front of me. Unless my neighbors have something else they want to drop off to me because they've kind of adopted me and it is so sweet. It is, it is like the epitome of Southern hospitality. You know, if, if my neighbor was a Southern mama, <laughs> you know, it would be cornbread and, and, and biscuits and peach pie. Instead, it's coffee and ground beef and pima bacon. It's a Canadian version of a southern mama. And a little Newfie, Newfie guy. He's just, he's so cool. Him and his wife are both just the coolest. And they're so sweet. Knowing that they're right there, if I get to a point where I need to call somebody because I can't be alone, I know they're right there. And they will sit with me and I can stay, you know, stay with them until my sister comes. Living alone in COVID sucks. <laughs> but then like, I talk to people that, you know, are trapped in the house with their spouse and they're trapped in the house with their kids and whatever family members they happen to be living with. And they'll tell me the exact opposite. Living in a house full of people sucks. So it's, it's different for everybody. And... I've seen a lot of relationships start in COVID. I've seen a lot of relationships end in COVID. And it's all because of the mental state that we're all in. Some of us are scrambling and grasping for any shred of human emotion and, and will jump at the chance to have that from anybody. It doesn't matter who in any form. And then there are others that are pushing away those relationships because they're going more and more into the hermit lifestyle of being alone and getting used to being alone and disengaging from their connections. It's really, it's difficult to kind of navigate everyday life in a world that is not normal. It's, it's, it's not normal. It's not typical. It's not what we're used to. I am 40. I'm not telling you. It's just over. Let's just say I'm over 45 years old. And I've never seen anything like this before in my lifetime. You know, we had, I mean, and I've lived through a lot of things. <laughs> you know, I have been through good grief. A lot been through life my mind just went blank but you know it's 1 30 in the morning so right now we're lucky I can string words together 
It is what it is. Nobody knows how to effectively navigate successfully through this. I can tell you the helplines and the telehealth here in Canada, people are burning up those phone lines to talk to somebody, talk to anybody. When I went from, um, I'm on assistance, obviously. When I went from one program to another program, I lost my, um, my therapist because the disability that I'm on now doesn't cover the therapy that the general welfare that I was on before did. Go figure. I know. Doesn't make any sense to me either. So now I am trying to find a therapist that is covered by my health insurance. Not an easy task. So it's been a while since I've actually talked to my therapist. And I think last week that was kind of a culmination of all of that because... Like I said last week, spasbrain. And when I was talking to my therapist, we were learning. She was teaching me tips and tricks and things that I can do when that those voices start to get really loud and really obnoxious. And what is it my uh, my friend calls them when they get going in her head? Council of assholes. Yes, it's the council of assholes. That's what she calls it. <laughs> and it's kind of true because they are. They're the ones that tell you you're not good enough. They're the ones that tell you that you'll never be good enough, that you're not pretty enough, you're not tall enough, you're not short enough, you're not fat enough, you're not thin enough, you're just not enough. And nothing you'll ever do will be enough. I mean, those voices, this is going to sound totally messed up, but those voices can actually sometimes be beneficial because they push us to do as much as we possibly can. So those around us that we're doing for benefit, because we're doing everything for everybody as much as we possibly can, as much as we physically can. We will take on any task. We are the best employee. And I'm not tooting my own horn, but I've been told that. Most jobs that I have, I always give 110%. I know other people that are exactly the same. Because we have to stave off those voices that tell us we're not good enough. We're not doing a good enough job. We're not doing enough. We're lazy. We're this and we're that. So the voices can be a help sometimes because they kind of push us along. But for the most part, they're a hindrance. You're probably sitting there by now going like, why is she talking about mental illness? Why is she talking about all this stuff? I do actually have a point. I have a friend who started dating somebody a couple of years ago. And when they got together, my friend was made perfectly aware that the person that they were dating had some serious mental issues. And that there would be bad days. There would be very, very bad days. There would be bad weeks. And they would be very, very bad. And you don't know very, very bad because you've never experienced this level of very, very bad. But it would be very, very bad. And they were warned. If you don't think you can handle the very, very bad, don't get involved. And the relationship progressed very quickly. I do believe it was actually within days the word love was being bandied around like badminton bird. And I was feeling like, I I was kind of like between the two of them. And I'm telling them both, slow your roll. Slow your roll may feel like it, but that's just kind of the euphoria of a brand new relationship. See how you feel in two weeks. See how you feel in a month. See how you feel in six months, a year, whatever. But remember, this one's crazy. You're also crazy. Different kind of crazy. Make sure your crazies can mix. Because this one's crazy will activate your crazy and it's, it won't, they were warned. And now, here we are. It has become one of those very, very bad weeks. And it has reached a level that um, help should be sought. Medication levels should be readjusted. But the person having the issue doesn't see that because they're in the middle of the issue and it's the loved ones around them that need to say hey crazy person sit down we need to talk well my friend 
has now decided they're not sure if they can handle this. They're not sure if they want to continue the relationship because they don't know if they can deal with this. Now, I respect that. If you can't deal with it, that's fine. But they were told. And it, I, I think what bothers me the most is that when they got involved, it wasn't just them that were part of the relationship. There are children involved on both sides. There are children involved in this relationship. So if this is to end, it's not just the two adults that are going to be affected. There are four children. Now, one of those, two of those children are pretty much grown adults, but they knew what they were getting into when they got into it. And I made sure I explained the kind of crazy, the level of crazy that they were going to have to deal with. They didn't care. They could do it. Their love was strong enough to see them through. Nope, the sarcasm. Because apparently it's not. Apparently it's not. My friend has said that their partner has been pushing them away and, you know, telling them that you should just break up with me. It, this probably isn't a good idea. And I tried explaining to them that that's what they're saying. That's not what they want them to do. They're trying to be the martyr. They're trying to be the bigger person. They're trying to save their partner any more hardship. They're trying to do what they think is right for the other person by pushing them away because they know they're messed up. And my friend, I'm kind of starting to use that term loosely because I'm only ever tapped when there's an issue. When things are great and lovely, I don't hear from either of them. When there's a problem and my friend is looking for somebody to make them feel better and take their side and justify their behaviors and their reactions, that's when I'm called. And I'm pretty sure the conversation that we had um, recently made them rethink that. <laughs> because I didn't take their side. I didn't validate their behavior. I told them they were being a jerk. You signed on for this. This is what you agreed to. You have asked this person to marry you, which consequently means for better or for worse. Welcome to worse. In sickness and in health, welcome to sickness. And now you're, you're not sure if you can handle this because it triggers your anxiety that you're supposed to be getting help for, that you have been told for years to deal with. You know what? Y'all go over there and you have your happy little life and leave me out of it. I'm done. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> I can't do this because there's no point. There are going to be several lives destroyed, torn apart because of this. And I say this with love in my heart. My friend is very narcissistic. They don't realize it. They, well, they won't admit it. They've been told. They won't admit it. They are very self-centered. They are very self-absorbed. And when you say that to them, their excuse is, well, I've had really bad relationships. I'm not taking that anymore. It's all about me this time. And I know what I want and what I'm, gonna, I w I'm willing to deal with. Okay, well, you know, welcome to living alone. Hope you're happy with that. If you, I think my whole point is, if you get into a relationship with somebody and you know, you are made aware from the very beginning that they have some issues. And if they tell you exactly how bad it could possibly get and you choose to continue with that relationship, you don't have the right to say, I can't handle your drama, your issues. I don't think I can deal with this. When those issues come up. You're not allowed to do that because at that point in time, that person needs you the most. When they're at their worst is when you need to be at your best, when you need to be there. And I'm not telling them to validate the behavior. I'm not telling them to accept the behavior. I'm telling them to help them through it. 
find a way to get them help. Because when you're bipolar or you're manic depressive and you reach that absolute worst, your medications are no longer working. Your therapy is no longer working. And you need to reevaluate it. You need to fix it. And my friend's not willing to do that. He's willing to be there for the happy times and the fun times and the loving times and the intimate times. He's not willing to be there for the hard times. And I've known this person most of my life. Uh, I think I was 17, 16. I was 16 when we met. Uh, So I've known them an awfully long time. I know their trauma. I know their their horrible past relationships. Um, I tried to talk about a few of them. Never listens to me. But anyway, what do I know? When I say these things about this person and I say they're being very selfish and very self-absorbed and very narcissistic, it's because I have decades, at least three of them, of experience with them and their behavior. So I know. At the very beginning, when they were getting involved and I'm kind of like, are you sure? Are you sure? I don't think you can deal with this. I don't think you're ready. I don't think you can do this. You're not in a mental place yet to be ready for this. And they assured me every way they possibly could. And, oh, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. You know, I don't worry. I'll get, we'll get, I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. Apparently you don't got it. It just... I'm I'm angry because they would be the first one to um, tear somebody down and chew them out for doing that to them. I guarantee you that if I were to call them up and say, you know what, I can't be your friend anymore because your anxiety and your issues and your baggage, I can't handle, I can't deal with, I would be... The asshole in that situation. I would be the one in the wrong. But because they're doing it, it's okay. But it's not okay. This other person that's involved in this couple isn't perfect. They wear their mental illness like a badge. Like like a, a you know, like a, a medal. You know, look at me. This is what I have. And they're, they're always going on about how their mental illness doesn't define them. I am this, but I am not this. It does not define me. It is not who I am. But that's all they talk about. That's all that is their focal point in their life, is their mental illness. So if you're not letting it define you, then why is it governing your life? That is all you talk about. That is all you post about. That is all you refer to is your mental illness. They wear it like a fancy coat. The best way I can describe it. Yeah, the best way I can describe it is they wear it like a fancy coat. Like it's some sort of of medal of honor to have this. In this day and age of mental illness being in the forefront of everything because COVID has brought it out in so many people that They're almost behaving like, you know, oh, look at me. I'm one of them. I've got a mental illness. Look at me. I'm special. I've got a mental illness. And that's wrong because that's sending the wrong message. We kind of drifted apart because I no longer fit into her box. She had me all nicely boxed up with a bow on it. Same mental illness as her. And then it turned out that even though... I had similar symptoms and similar behaviors. My mental illness was nothing like hers at all. Mine was totally different, managed a totally different way, and it all came to a head over a Palm Bay. Posted a picture of me having a drink. And because they can't drink because it feeds into their mania, 
and they end up doing really stupid stuff, they felt the need to lecture me on my drinking. I don't have a drinking problem. Don't put me in your box. I've got my own box. There's enough crap in my own box. I don't need to be added to anybody else's box. Thank you very much. I got my own box. It's got a pretty bow. It's got dented sides. Leaks a little on the bottom. But, you know, I got my own box. Don't put me in your box. And it, it upset her that I no longer fit into her box. So that meant she could no longer counsel me. She could no longer dictate to me what I could and couldn't do inside my box. So we kind of drifted apart because I didn't understand her box anymore. And that's fine. I don't need to add anybody else's boxes to my boxes. I don't need to spend my time trying to sort through somebody else's traumas and drama. That's not my job. My job is to be your friend. Not your therapist. You'll have to, I'm sorry, you're just going to have to deal with, I'm doing this at 2 o'clock in the morning so the traffic isn't as bad as if I was doing this at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, but there are two main streets in my town and there are only two streets in my town. This one gets a lot of use going from the highway to the other highway and they fly down here and it's like 80 degrees in my apartment, so... um so if you're going to get into a relationship with somebody who has mental illness or who has baggage, I mean, nowadays, who doesn't have baggage? Everybody's got baggage, especially if you're a Gen Xer. We grew up with trauma. We were traumatized as children. That's just the way it is. Hell, our own TVs traumatized us, okay? Y'all watched Max Headroom, right? But if you're going to get into a relationship with somebody who has issues and they make it perfectly clear to you, that they have issues at the beginning of the relationship and you tell them, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be here. I'm going to stick it out. You're not going to scare me off. Then be there. Don't decide two years into the relationship that this is not something you can deal with because that's not fair. This person has invested two years, has opened up and, and let their guard down to a point where you're getting to see the worst, not that it's a privilege, but that you're getting to see the worst because you're one of the closest people to them in their lives, whereas most people just get cut off. I mean, yes, okay, I put all my stuff out onto my podcast, but I don't have to look at you. I don't have to see you. I don't have to talk to you. I talk to a big black disc. So yes, logically and, and realistically, I know it goes out there into the universe and people listen to it and they listen to my pain and they listen to my sorrow and they listen to my joy and they listen to my happiness, but I don't have to tell you in person. So it's different. There are things that y'all don't get. There are things nobody's going to get. You got to be pretty darn special to get in that far. If somebody shows you the depths of their bad days and allows you in to see that instead of saying, no, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm fine. What do we, you know, smoke and mirrors is kind of what we're really good at. Deflection is what we're really good at. That's a privilege to be allowed in that far. It's a gift. And they're kind of counting on you to help them through that. Not turn your back on them and walk away. So, yeah, it's great. You know, you've got this new relationship and you're all happy and everything's fine. And they tell you, oh, I've got some problems. These are the problems. I'm manic depressive or I'm bipolar or I'm schizophrenic. Those ones I'd be careful with. Whatever. And you're caught up in the euphoria of the beginning of the relationship. It's easy to say, oh, I can handle anything. You know, I love you, baby. We got this. Harder to do. So you better make sure you're strong enough to handle it. And if you're the person with the issues, getting into relationship with somebody, be very, very clear. Be very, very concise. 
to the point of, I'm not going to say redundancy, but to the point of repetition to where, you know, you're reading from the textbook. This is what to expect. You're pulling up websites, you're Googling and you're YouTubing and this is what you could end up having to deal with. Make sure that they are fully and completely aware of every aspect of your mental illness. Or at least every aspect that you're aware of. Make sure they know the medications you're on. Things that can happen. Because you, it's not fair to blindside them. You tell them, oh, you know what? I'm bipolar. I have manic highs. I have manic lows. But they're not that bad. You know, my medication kind of keeps me in the middle. They're not that bad. And then all of a sudden, you've tied their, they've tied their shoe wrong. And the entire world is falling down and they're screeching at you at the top of their lungs and verbally attacking you. And, and they're taken completely off guard. That's not fair to them. They're not expecting that. But if you tell them, I could turn into a raging psychotic at some point in time and there might be dishes flying, they're forewarned. They'll duck. If they see you with a toast plate, they will duck. I can tell you from experience, if you tell them that you may throw things when you're having a moment, they'll duck. It's a fact. I may not have always been completely upfront with all of my issues, but most of them don't affect any of the relationships, whether it's a friendship or whether it's an intimate relationship. My issues don't affect those. They affect me. But they don't affect the relationships. But I think in this COVID world, everybody's got some form of mental illness. Everybody's struggling with some level of depression and defeatist feelings. Like, is this ever going to end? Is it ever going to be normal? Well, in all reality, no, it's not. It's not ever going to be normal. We can't go back to normal. We can't go back to what was normal before. We know too much now. We've been through too much now. We've been stuck in our own heads for too long now for it to go back to the naive, blissful existence. I mean, maybe not blissful, but superficial existence that we may have had before this hit. This has devastated some people. I know people who have lost their businesses, lost their homes, their families because of this. Nothing's ever going to be the same. And I think what we need to do is to stop trying to look for the normal, for what we considered the normal pre-COVID. Nothing is going to be like it was pre-COVID. We need to carve out a new existence, a new vision, basically, of what our lives are going to look like once this starts to go away. And it will go away. Maybe not completely, but we have a vaccine, so that's going to help. We have herd immunity starting. That's going to help. So life will continue. We will go shopping again. We will go to the movies again. We will gather in the parks and have barbecues and go to concerts and amusement parks will be full of people again. That will all happen again. But I can guarantee you, once all that happens, the very first time somebody sneezes, you watch how many people hit the deck or whip out the sanitizer or the Lysol, spraying all around them. The allergy season is going to be hell for the first few years after... COVID dies down, but nothing is ever going to be normal. And I don't think we should expect it to be normal. Things have a way of being different, being better than they were before. I'm an entirely different person now than I was even a year ago, six months ago. But I am an completely mentally, physically emotionally different person altogether than I was pre-COVID. I didn't have near the snark 
or the SAS that I have now. I didn't have half the courage or the backbone that I have now. I didn't have that then. And I th- I'd like to attribute that to having to spend so much time with myself. I actually got to know myself and went, ooh, I don't like that. We need to fix that because I wouldn't even be friends with that. And I had to make some changes in me. And what you experienced last week was harder aspects of those changes. (laughs) Sometimes the voices win. Like I said last week, sometimes the voices win. Sometimes I just have to give in to the voices and curl up into a little ball and cry and just let them beat me down. And then they quiet down and I get up, brush myself off, wash my face, brush my hair, and go, okay, we made it through that one. Off we go. Carry on. Because sometimes they win. You don't ever let them win to the point where those are the last words ever. Don't ever let that happen. I made a promise that I would never let it get to that point. I think it's okay that the voices win sometimes. I think it's okay that you have those bad days. Because there is such a thing as toxic positivity. You can't be that up and happy and positive and cheerful all the time. It's not healthy. And frankly, it's downright annoying to most of the people around you. And it can be toxic because it's fake. It's not real. It's not real. If I'm having a good day and I am accomplishing things and I'm upbeat and I'm in a good mood, that's real. If I'm having a bad day and I'm feeling like I'm not good enough and I'm feeling like, you know, if you take five seconds longer than you should in responding to me that... You know, you're brushing me off or you're ignoring me. That's real too. And those are the days that I say, hey, it's a bad day. I don't expect you to change you. I don't expect you to change what you're doing. I'm just making you aware that I'm having a bad day. You got to go through those bad days because we're human. We are human beings with emotions. Happy, sad, angry All of those emotions. It's who we are. And we have to have those emotions. We have to feel those emotions. Because if we don't, we're being fake. We're not being real. We're not being authentic. And things get bottled up. Things get pushed down. And eventually, what happens is they all come exploding out. And it's never a good thing. So you have to kind of have the good days, have the bad days, and do all of the things in between. You have to acknowledge your bad days. And yes, there are things that you can do to help get through the bad days so they don't get really bad. You know, like positive self-affirmation. You are good enough. You are doing your best. Could you do better? Sure. Everybody could do better. Make a list of areas and ways and things that you improve on if that's what you're thinking if you have what and and tiktok has has really focused a lot on this lately depression nests where everything is a disaster there's garbage there's clothes there's this there's that all kind of piled up around you and you've just kind of let everything go and it's called your depression nest and once it gets to a certain point trust me i know i've had a few they can get really overwhelming So pick one thing to do, one, whether it's cleaning up all the pop cans, whether it's organizing your kids' toys, whether it's just doing one sink full of dishes, organizing the bathroom counter, cleaning the toilet. Sometimes it can be as simple as just cleaning the toilet. If that is all you do that day, that's good enough. Do one more thing the next day and maintain what you've already done and then do one more thing the next day. Add one more thing to it. You just got it little bits. My mom used to always tell me when I was a kid, don't try and, 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 and climb the entire mountain. 
Don't try and deal with the whole mountain at once. Take one rock at a time. Take that rock, deal with that rock, put that rock aside, take another rock. And eventually, that mountain will disappear. And you will deal with that entire mountain. And it took me a long time to figure that out. And even now, like, I have very few possessions. I had to force myself to put everything away, not leave it in boxes, um, organize everything. And I still have a couple of spots that are spaz brain spots. You know, haven't dealt with that box. Just stick it on the shelf. It's fine. Nobody can see it. I'll deal with it later. That's my, that's my, I'll deal with it later. I'll deal with it later. I'll put that there for now. If you ever hear me say, I will put that there for now, or it can live there for now, if for now falls into the sentence in any spot along the way, you're pretty much guaranteed that that's where it's going to live. That's its new home. It's not moving from there. I had things in my glove box that I said when I got my car. I'm just going to put these in here for now. It's over a year later. They are still in there. I can guarantee you they are not moving out of that glove box. Not for nothing. I had a point when I started this podcast, not this particular episode, but this entire podcast. And that was to kind of bear my my ups and my downs and my struggles and my achievements and the things that I have, my, my traumas that I've gone through um, and share them in the hopes that somebody listening would find comfort knowing that they weren't alone. I don't know if I've achieved that. I don't know if people listening are finding anything useful in what I'm, I'm sharing, but I do know it has been very therapeutic for me. There have been many episodes that I have been able to say things in the podcast that I needed to get off my chest that I needed to tell somebody, but didn't have the courage to actually tell the person it was referring to. So I could do it through the podcast. They would listen and go, oh, well, all right, we need to talk about this. I go, no, no, I've said my piece. We're good. Let's move on. And I want to thank you all for that, because if you always, oh, wow, completely lost the ability to speak English not even sure what language that was. And <laughs> we're going to keep going. If you guys didn't keep coming back every week and listening, and apparently you're bringing friends now. So I want to thank you for that because if the numbers weren't there, I wouldn't be able to keep doing this. I wouldn't be able to plug into my therapy session once a week <laughs> because that's what this is for me. It didn't start out that way. It kind of started out um, as a way for me to vent and release a lot of pain I was holding on to because of the situation that I was in. And I think if you think back, we started this journey on MythBits and it kind of moved over to here, it got moved over into its own show because it kind of became an entity of its own. And wow. Oh, that was a military jeep. That goes great with the three helicopters that were circling around earlier. Awesome. Definitely going to push my refrigerator up against my door today. Tonight. Whatever. It's 2.30 in the morning. Bear, bear with me. Anyway, I didn't, I didn't expect to get to here. I didn't expect to still be um, taking you all on this emotional journey and talking about revelations and things that upset me and, you know, let's get a little ranty <laughs> and um, still like breaking down and crying over a year later. Last week was pretty intense. Last week was was a pretty heavy episode. I uh, think that on the scale of how much crying did Lupa do during an episode, that was probably up there in the top three. And it was very cathartic for me. And um, there was a lot of things in that episode that I wanted to say, well, that I did say, and um, go figure. It took four days before the person actually listened to the episode. But 
That's kind of a private joke. It's funny. Don't worry. I still struggle with everything that I was struggling with in that last one. And I probably always will struggle with most of that because it's thought patterns and it's very hard to change thought patterns. The people in my life are aware of my thought patterns. They are aware of how my brain works or, in the case of last week, doesn't work. And most of them are willing to help me go through it. They don't try and prevent it from happening because you can't do that or it gets really bad. Like if you ignore it and you push it away and you lock it in a box and you go, nope, it's kind of like laundry. It just keeps accumulating and accumulating until eventually it takes over your room and it's all over your floor and your bed and you're pushing it aside and you end up on an episode of Hoarders. So when I have these emotions, I have them. I don't push them away. I have them. I go through them. I experience them. I feel them. And then I choose how I'm going to react to them. Am I going to lash out illogically? And and um, I just had the word in my head that I wanted to use and it's gone. Irrationally. There we go. <laughs> no. Most of the time, I don't. Um, there are some times, like recently, I kind of got a bee in my bonnet and unfortunately the bee didn't know what day of the week it was so the bee had to say it was sorry and you know retreat from the bonnet (laughs) oops for the most part if I deal with the emotion as it happens they don't get very big it's when I try and ignore them that they explode and that is one of the things that COVID has taught me spending an awful lot of time with myself, I've gotten to know myself, that if I'm starting to feel negatively or am I feeling positively, I need to go, okay, what's causing this, first of all? How ridiculous is the reason that I think is causing this? Is that rational? Is that even a thing? And how do I move on from there? I can't control how I feel. I can't control the emotions that come up, I can control how I react and how I handle them and how I go through them. And I think that's all we can do. You can't control your emotions. You can't. Good luck at trying. You can pretend that you think you can control your emotions, but they will get you. Every single time, they will get you. And they will get you when you least expect it and least want it. So deal with them when you got them. Use your big person words. Use your adult words. Speak. And if you don't think you can handle somebody's emotions, don't get involved. See, it's COVID has brought mental health to the forefront. It has made it acceptable to be different, to struggle. It has made it important to acknowledge that people struggle. Because it has created a lot of suicidal people. People that have lived alone and didn't think anything of it. They went, oh, excuse me. They go to work. They go out and hang with their friends. They go home to their empty apartment. And they're quite content to be at home by themselves. And then all of a sudden they were locked in by themselves. And I've actually watched on Facebook, watched one of my friends descend into madness throughout this entire thing. I mean, she had issues when COVID started, but now she is almost completely off her rocker. And I do believe she is completely unaware. And there are people in her life that are coddling this behavior instead of saying, hey, you need help. You need to talk to somebody. They are coddling her behavior. They are encouraging her behavior. Because I think they're looking at her as a sideshow, as entertainment. And it bothers me. I've watched my own descent into madness. And my victorious climb out of the pit of despair. Others aren't so lucky. 
And I keep, I know I keep saying this over and over and over and over again, but it's not a, a, mental health isn't a badge to be worn. It's not a victory sash. It's not a crown. It's not a, hey, look at me. This is my illness. You know, it's it's not like when you were in Girl Guides and you got the sash and you won badges for things. It's not like the camping badge or the cooking badge or the sewing badge. You know, you get a mental illness badge. Well, which one do you have? Look, I've got six badges. I've got six mental illnesses. I beat you. No, it's not a competition. Who's crazier than who? Stop making it a competition. Stop making it all about what illness you have. And, well, your illness is worse than my illness. And my illness is better than your illness or whatever. It's a part of life. It's something that you have to deal with. You have to get through with. And you have to learn to live with. Unfortunately, I have a child that seems to think that she can't live beyond her illnesses. That everything that she does in her life is geared around her anxiety, geared around her PTSD, geared around her social anxiety and and all of the all of these things that hold her back and her father coddles that. Her father feeds into that. Her and I butt heads constantly because I don't. I tell her, you know how to get through your anxiety. You're having an attack. You do the steps. You do the things you're supposed to do. You breathe. You pull yourself together. And you carry on. You've been given the tools to handle the issues that you have. Use them. Work the program. I think, uh, I don't think, I know. Going back to this friend of mine and his partner they have allowed and I say they because I mean both of them they have allowed their issues to define who they are and how they interact within a relationship I'm not going to accept this from you because I have this problem and that's exactly it I don't know check your baggage at the door make sure your luggage matches the person you're getting involved with's luggage or at least doesn't clash (laughs) yeah also don't let it define you don't let it be who you are but don't run around saying it doesn't define me because then you're making it define you're letting it define you by not allowing it to define you you don't talk about it all the time you don't throw it out in the forefront all the time you're not telling everybody and anybody that'll listen i have this mental illness And this is what I'm doing about it. And I am an advocate for this kind of mental illness and these, whatever. Create a life, as best a life as you can. If you live in Ontario, pray for a life. But I wanted to to talk about mental illness and, and mental issues this week because of the breakdown you all kind of witnessed last week and the overwhelming support that I received from people. I'm okay. (laughs) <laughs> I I sounded like I was close to the edge. I know I did. And I was close enough to the edge that I could peek over and, and see bottom. Well, see the abyss. It looks back at me in waves. But I also knew there was a list of people I could call and talk to and help me get through this. And my sister helped me get through it. The podcast came out on the Friday and Saturday afternoon. I spent a long time talking to another very good friend of mine. She got a hold of me right away. And I had a few other people reach out to me through Facebook that had listened to it at various times throughout the week. And every single one of them told me, every single one of them told me they felt the exact same way. That they knew what I was going through. They knew how I felt. And that I wasn't alone. And that was huge for me. Huge to know I wasn't alone. Now, every single one of these people lived in Canada. So I know they knew. (laughs) I know they got it. Three out of the four uh, big ones live right here in Ontario. (laughs) So they get it. They know. Yeah, I wanted to touch on mental illness this week and kind of... Send a message out there. Get help if you need it. Recognize that you need help when you need it. If you see somebody, if you're in a relationship with somebody who is struggling and they're struggling large, help them. Don't walk away from them. Help them. 
be that anchor, be that rock, because they're lost in that sea. I can guarantee you they're lost in that sea and they feel like they're drowning and they need something to hang on to. And if they lash out at you, if they push you away, if they get angry at you, hang on to them. Because if you've ever rescued somebody who's drowning, even though that person knows you are there to save them, they will fight you tooth and nail. They will flail and they will kick and they will push at you and they will try and climb on top of your head instead of calmly laying there and let you, letting you take them to shore. They will fight you, even though they know you were there to save them. So if the person you are trying to help is pushing you away and fighting you at every turn, hang on as tight as you can. Don't let go. Don't let go. And when things are calm and everybody's rational and you still want to walk away, then sit down and have that conversation. But don't do it when the person is in the middle of a manic episode. That's not fair. It's not fair. I didn't cry this week. Look at that. Brunches all down again. But I didn't cry. There were happy moments. There were funny moments. I won't say happy moments, but there were funny moments. Thank you for coming back week after week, waiting to see what kind of train wreck I am this week. What track we're on. I appreciate it. I appreciate you all so much. You have no idea. And there are so many of you out there that I don't even know. And I appreciate you for tuning in and listening to me drone on about whatever tragedy happens to have befallen me. Um, this week has been fairly decent. There are, there are things that happened that I'm pretty sure I wanted to share with you that I can't remember at all right now. And I, as soon as I hit stop on this record, I'm going to go, ah, rats, that's what I wanted to talk about. And I wanted to tell them that. And I really should write things down. You would think I am an author. I was an office administrator for 14 years. I was a bookkeeper for a lot of those 14 years. You would think it would be in my DNA to write things down. Nope. Not a chance. Because I think, oh, I'll remember. No, I don't remember. I try. I remember. Well, I do. Wait, no, I can't say that. I do remember. I always remember after. I always remember after. And that really sucks. I'm trying to think because I know there's stuff that I wanted to share that, oh, I will be cleaning out the last of my stuff from the trailer this weekend. Um, This weekend is the... The Victoria Day weekend, it is our Labor Day, or May 2-4 weekend, not Labor Day, but it is our May 2-4 weekend. Um, I do believe it's Memorial Day weekend in the States, or at least that's coming up. And it's kind of funny because the May 2-4 weekend, as a kid it was great, it was the start of summer, but now it, in the last, just the last three years, it's three years, four years, four years, maybe four years, it could be four years be three years. I don't know, but my Facebook will tell me. It's either three or four years. Um, It's an anniversary for me of getting that message. Hey, I'm going to publish your book. So happy bookiversary to me and happy bookiversary to Dave because he was a silly fool that said he would publish it. So (laughs) Um, I'll let you know next week how many years it's been. I think it's four. Could be three. No, I think it's it's maybe three and a half. I don't know. But anyway, this weekend is the anniversary of when I was told my book was going to be published. So that was rather exciting for me. But yeah, I will be cleaning out the last of my stuff from the trailer and cleaning the trailer. And then I will no longer be living there. Everything. Well, I'm not living there, but you know, I still have stuff there. So I still kind of had a connection there. Everything will be here, which is good because I think all my summer clothes are still over there. And well, you know what? We had an early spring and now we're getting an early summer. Yay. I'm good with that. You know, that that meme on Facebook that says, you know, if you could pick one season to live in, what would it be? Mine would be summer. I would be good with that. Summer, I'm happy with. It's green. It's pretty. It's warm. It's hot. I don't care. Humid. I don't care. It's not white and snowy and if my mom has her way I won't have to deal with 
white and snowy this winter because I will be in Florida. Although I'm kind of a little apprehensive because the last time we tried to do this, there was a global pandemic. So I'm not exactly sure if me, my mom, and my sister being in the same state at the same time is a good thing. Um, Because the last time we tried to do that, the world shut down. Nope, those three women are not allowed to be in this country, in this state, at the same time. We need to shut the world down and make sure they don't do it again. So I'm a little apprehensive. (laughs) I blame my mother for COVID. There you go. She had to be in Florida. She And the thing is, is I've been to Florida, I don't know how many times as a kid, I always went with my grandparents. My brother and my sister have been to Florida. They went with my parents. We had, my sister and I had never been in Florida together at the same time in our entire lives. We had never been in Florida together at the same time. So it was kind of surreal the year that we were there. Um, it was kind of surreal because we'd never, my, Heather had been there. I had been there. We were related. She, we were sisters. We shared the same parents. And we had never been there together. Because there's such an age difference between me and my sister and me and my brother. That by the time my brother and my sister were old enough for my mom and dad to take them to Florida. I was already moved out doing my own thing. Going, oh man, that sucks. How come you didn't have this kind of money when I lived at home? But anyway, I'm starting to ramble on now. And it is now quarter to three in the morning. So I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to say goodnight. And I will talk to you all next week. If you want to find me, you can find me on Facebook at Loopabits the Podcast. <laughs> Look at that. I did it first this week. Um, you can find me at The World of Myth Magazine because I do a lot of good stuff over there. You can find me at both of my Facebook pages, uh, Stephanie J. Barty or Lupa Barty pick one um just remember facebook is not a dating app you can find me on twitter at lupa uh lupa's bits the podcast and um if you just put in at lupa b you'll find me you can find me on instagram at the world of myth magazine luhu baskets lupa's bits the podcast stephanie barty author stephanie lupa barty author i think that's everybody Um, And you can find me on TikTok because I'm back to making TikToks. Look me up at Lady Luhu. All right, everybody. Have a good week. Stay safe and stay out of trouble. And if you can't stay out of trouble, email me your trouble. I want to know. I'm nosy. I want to know what you're doing and getting yourself into trouble because I need to live vicariously through somebody. And the people I'm trying to live vicariously through are not having much of a life. So I need some more vicarious people. Okay? So send me your troubles. All right, everybody. Have a good week. See ya. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry. Don't you cry.